WMNF is accepting volunteer applications to be part of our on-air team. And welcome. This is Latinx. Welcome, welcome to the Soul Kitchen. It is I, your resident chef, Big Eddie G. Join your favorite voices on 88.5 FM, WMNF.org, and our HD channels. If you've always dreamed of being on the radio, I would love to be on the radio. Now's your chance. Join your listening-supported radio station, WMNF. Apply under the programming tab at WMNF.org. Good morning, good morning, good morning. 
Welcome to another edition of the Sunday Forum right here on WMNF at 8.5 Tampa, Sarasota, St. Pete. This is your host, Walter L. Smith II, along with the members of the 4th Estate crew, our newest member, Ms. Andy Meyer. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Andy Myers, how you doing? I'm good, I'm good. How you doing, Walter L. Smith II? Uh, I'm all right. <laughs> <laughs> We're using government names, except for Mobili. Okay. <laughs> Billy, what's going on, baby? Not too much, not too much. How you doing, man? Pretty good, pretty yeah. good. I'm sick of these medic, medical agents and not take, taking me seriously, but other than that, I'm okay. You're going to beat somebody, man. I'm going to have to. <laughs> you have to resort to violence. The last one I talked to, she sounded Trumpian, so I don't know. Oh, Lord. Yeah, we're going to have to resort scary. to violence. <laughs> yeah, I think we are going to have to resort to violence. <laughs> these people workplace. I know. I like, jeez. We, we have to change from... Uh, we have to change from um, uh, uh, using government names, though. Okay, we can do that. We have to, yeah. use, we have to use alter egos. <laughs> 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 like we in DC Comics or something, right? Yeah. Um, I'm Storm, let's be clear. We did do Oh, Lord. I'm Storm in the X-Men. She's Marvel. She's Marvel. She's a Marvel lover. <laughs> I'm Storm. She's a Marvel lover. Here we go. And there was some historical news. That, well, bringing back some memories. The guy who was accused of killing Malcolm X is filing lawsuit. Oh, thank mm. God. So we got to see what happens there. Yeah, that's good for him, man. That's good. Now that they've they've discovered, they they know who it is now, who who they you know who the people are who were actually a part of it. Um, since that last Netflix uh, documentary, yeah, that's really good. But mm-hmm. it, it appears the guy who actually did it, or, or I say the guy, but there were more there were more than one. the people who actually did it. They got them, but one guy in particular. One guy in particular, they they were missing. It looks like he he passed. He, he died, right? Mm-hmm. According to the documentary. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and, and at least we got what two of the three. Who yeah. was included in the lawsuit? Did they say? Uh, no, I'm, it's still kind of sketchy, but I'm looking for more information on it right as we speak. Mm-hmm. But I just wanted to bring it up. If I find more information, uh, definitely I'll chime in. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, it, the, you know, I saw a very interesting documentary. I'm always watching documentaries. People say I watch, watch too much TV. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but uh, I was I watched a very interesting documentary about the about the five the five presidents of Africa in uh, the five African presidents who were um, who had been assassinated. Um, let's see, you have Thomas Sankara. I think he was assassinated in like 87, some of that. 87 or 88. Hmm. Uh, they, they named Patrice Lumumba, who was not really mm-hmm. a president, but he was the prime minister. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the others I'm not really familiar with, admittedly. I'm not quite familiar with them. Um, of course, you know, Kwame Nkrumah was not assassinated. He died of cancer. Um, but uh, I, I'll have to look it up. We'll have to look it up. Mm-hmm. But it was interesting to note the who the five were, right? And to look at the history behind their assassinations. Mm-hmm. It was very interesting to see what happened to them. Very interesting. I mean, you look at someone like Thomas Sankara, for instance, right? And the, the leaps and bounds that he made in Burkina Faso... I mean, wow, and 
And he did two terms as president. Mm. Two terms. He was defeated in a Democratic election after the first term where he where he actually, um, I think he, he took power through a coup, right? And he was the, mil- because he was the military leader at the time. But then he led so well. He led so well and just transformed the country uh, with, with a lot of, I mean, like, Leaps and bounds. You're talking about a lot of things that he did that were that were considered to be revolutionary when it comes to women's rights, um, women involved in government, uh, beyond and involved in everything. Really, um, he even had a women a women's guard, so to speak, mm-hmm. um, there in Burkina Faso. You compare that to what we look at now with. Uh, Ibrahim Traoré, who's the newest, uh, the youngest president, and the US, the newest president of uh, uh, in on the continent of Africa, and of Burkina Faso. So now he is a he's a military leader who gained power through a coup, and has done quite well. He's done quite well, especially with expelling uh, colonial powers from the country. He's done quite well, so people seem to be seem to be uh, happy with him and what he's doing. And I think I think it's important for us to know these types of things because we we tend to focus in on the Western world, uh, it, the Western white world, right? A lot on news. In the news, you re- you rarely see much about anything that happens in Africa unless something blew up or something like that, right? And I think it's important for us to know to know Africa, to know the country, to know what's <laughs> happening there. And so that's why it's important on this show that we, we make a point of actually doing stories and information about what's happening there for you, for you. Because we, we need to do that. We really need to do that. Um, so, enough of that for now. Enough yeah, that for now. So, like, um, you have more information about the lawsuit. That was uh, one of the men who were wrongfully convicted. This was Muhammad Aziz. Mm-hmm. He's the one filing the suit. Uh, we know that he spent twenty years in prison, and then he was exonerated, along with the, one of the other guys that was uh, that was convicted. And uh, but it was a 22 month investigation that led the Manhattan District Attorney at the time of the Cyrus Vance's office, and and also involved in the Innocence Project. And lawyers for these men found that evidence of their innocence, including FBI documents, were withheld withheld at their trial, according to the court documents. So Aziz Islam and the third man, his name is uh, Halim Mujahid Halim. He was sentenced to life in prison uh, after their convictions. Uh, but said he admitted that he shot Malcolm X, but said Aziz and Islam were not involved. So Islam, uh, Aziz, who is uh, was a U.S. Navy veteran, was 26 and a father of six children at the time of the event. He was um, he's the one that's filing the lawsuit. 
He claims that the FBI employees concealed information that would have exonerated him a long time ago. Uh, and he's including people like former FBI Director Jed Hoover. We know he lied and lied and lied, trying to get black people in, uh, locked up because they, he was the one who felt like Malcolm X had too much, po- uh, too much power for one man. Um, so they said Jed Hoover engaged in acts of corruption and misconduct by presenting false evidence in Aziz's case to divert blame from individuals whom certain FBI employees did not want to see prosecuted for their crimes. Now, what's ironic is the daughter is suing as well, and Ben Crump is representing her. Oh, okay. She's suing for $100 million, and Aziz is suing, suing for $40 million. All right. Mm-hmm. And see, that's why Tampa needs a Ben Crump. That's why I, I big up <laughs> black lawyers. You know, we need a Ben Crump, yeah. civil rights lawyers, to go around and put out these fires and, and show up these racist events that have taken place historically in every city, including this one. Mm-hmm. And we know that one of our local television stations have, have released some old footage representing Tampa's racist past. So, you know, including cross burnings and Ku Klux Klan rallies oh, that really? took place <laughs> right here in Tampa. Yeah, and you, you know, see people like Bob Gilder responding. Uncle Bob. Uncle Bob. Uncle Bob. <laughs> Don't take no little bit of nothing. Yeah. Did I tell you that story? I told you guys that story before, right? Possibly. <laughs> but there were there were videotape of him. Uh he was represented in WSP at the time and there were there were foot soldiers, black young men who were walking yeah. the streets to protect Tampa. And right. we've seen that in many places throughout the civil rights movement. They haven't been given their due. Uh like in, in Biloxi when there was a, a wait in to integrate the beaches, you know, just as had happened in, in places in Florida like Miami and uh and uh St. Augustine, you know, we've had wait-ins and there were people who were shot up, but, you know, black men organized into the black angry men. Bam! Yes. <laughs> yes. Said, we got to put a stop to this violence and protect our, our neighborhoods. You know, I, I regret the fact... Well, no. No, 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 no. I, 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 wish that I, I wish that he was alive today, Uncle Bob. Um, and and let, let me... So let me share this. I, I don't think I, I... I don't think I shared this before. Not publicly. Um, I've told some people this privately. Um, but I call him Uncle Bob for a very good reason. Um, when I was growing up, he and my father were very good friends, extremely good friends. Hmm. Bob Gilder was actually from Louisiana originally. Um, but he, he uh, Uncle Bob, I was with him until the, actually, basically until the day he died. Um, my wife and I were, and we would we would go by and check on him and sit and talk with him. Um, we would we would ride with him anywhere he wanted to go. And, you know, when he was in his later days, as he got ill, and uh, um, so if my dad couldn't take him, then I would, and we would whatever. And we went to all these political. It's really how I got into politics here in Tampa, truthfully. And he made me he acclimated me to everything that was going on here. And so one day, he, he was really, really sick one day, right? And the guy, this guy had a high threshold for pain. Jesus. I mean, he was in some bad shape. But but he went, he, he didn't follow the doctor's rules for anything, right? <laughs> Nothing. He sounded like a real man. Yeah, he's diabetic, right? <laughs> he, he, I mean, he did cake and all this other stuff. So anyway, so he, 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 he wanted a hunk of cake. Like you want a hunk of all this. So one day, 
uh, he said to me, he said, Walt, I need to go. He goes, Lil Walt. That's what, that's what they put, people call me. You know me really well. He said, said, Lil Walt, I need you to go up there and get me some watermelon. And he gave me very specific directions. Go up there and get me a watermelon and bring it back here. And I want you to cut me a piece of watermelon and put it on a plate and bring it to me. I said, yes, sir. So I went, went to the, to, the, to the Publix down the street, got a watermelon, came back, and, you know, cut it up, put it on the plate, gave it to him. So he, so he looked at it when I brought it, I brought it into He looked at it. He sat up in the bed, looked at it. He says, what the hell is this? I said, what, what you mean? He said, man, what is this? You know, what is this? <laughs> well, I can't say it's expletive. You know, what, what, what is this you bringing me? I said, Uncle Bob, you said you wanted, you wanted a piece of watermelon, so I cut you some watermelon and put it on a plate. I don't want this little beat. You know, I don't want this little stuff, man. He said, man, look here. He said, you go take this shit back and you go and you go get me a hunk of watermelon. I said, all right. Don't you know what a hunk means? Yeah, yeah. You know, and he didn't tell me hunk before. He said a piece. Oh, okay. So so I went back and I cut him a hunk of watermelon. So I, I came back and I brought him a hunk of watermelon. And he said, now look here, son. I, I, you know, let that be a lesson to you. He said, I don't want no little piece of nothing. Mm. You understand me? In life, don't you take no little piece of nothing. That's right. right. Sounds like freedom to me. <laughs> that's that's, right. that's, and, that, and that's, let me tell you, that was one of the most inspiring yeah. comments. Yeah. I ranked that right up top with the most, one of the most inspiring comments that I've ever, ever had somebody make to me, right? It was a teachable moment, uh, and, and it wasn't necessarily intended that way initially. It was just a teachable moment. And quite honestly, I'm not sure if it was supposed to be a teachable moment or not. You know what I mean? I, I, I kind of felt, I kind of feel like it was. If you learn something. statement within itself was Yeah, yeah. I mean, but like the whole situation, mm -hmm. you know, I think the whole situation was one. Because he was a very calculating man. Exactly. Very calculating man. So, you know, when I, I, I heard the stories, I wasn't alive uh, when, when these things that happened in the 60s, right? So... Um, he would tell me these stories. He would introduce me to the people because it was those people were still with us, and uh, and and they cooperated everything that he said. And they would come by and pay him respect. They go to his houses, and and for for the record, he, he lived in the home of um, Mr. Claxton. Um, gosh, and his name, his first name escapes me. But Mr. Claxton was the owner of the only black-owned hotel mm. in Tampa. Okay. And he also, well, Leon Claxton, Leon Claxton. Leon Claxton was, was a black man, lived in West Tampa. Um, and he lived in, and Uncle Bob bought his house. He lived in his house. That house, uh, he, he also was the, was the, uh, was the uh, founder of the uh, review. They called it the review. Um, it was a black review. You had dancers from Cuba, um, from the Caribbean, and, and from all different places, right? 
and he, he would go out to the fairgrounds and they would have these these reviews. Is that the hotel that's still downtown that they said was renovated? Is it still standing? No, 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 that's no, a different no. One? Okay. It's gone. Yeah, it's gone. Um, in fact, in fact, his home where he lived mm -hmm. is still is is still owned. It's, it's owned. It's owned today by name by by a man. I won't give his name, of course. Um, by a man who was a very, very he respected that home. He's from Cuba. The man who lives there right now. He's from Cuba. And I told him the history of the house. When I told him the history of the house, I said, You have in your basement right now, there is a mural on the wall of Josephine Baker. Mm. He said, I wondered who that was on the wall. When, you know, he said, I didn't, I said, did you paint over it? He said, nope, I did not paint over it. He said, I, I, I thought it was great, but I didn't know who it was. Thank you for telling me that. Hmm. The reason that that was, was because Josephine Baker would come and stay at his house. People like Josephine Baker would stay at his house. Um, uh, was it Joe Lewis would stay at his home? All these people stayed at his home when they would come to Tampa. So if they couldn't stay at the Jackson house, they would come and stay with him. Or they'd stay at the hotel. So these are these are little Tampa history tidbits that we can ill afford to um, forget or omit or allow anybody to... Uh, to forget at all. We, we, we have to make sure that we preserve. And the gentleman who lives there said he would love to have a marker put there in front of that. And it does need to be put there. And it does historical, need to be put there. Um, okay. Yes, absolutely, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. Um, so that's that's just one of the things that, that, that comes to mind when I think of Bob Gilder is, you know, who he was uh, and what he meant to us, right? Bob Gilder was a was a stellar, stellar, and he was one of the founders. And, and for the record, um, in 1977, in 1977, he and my father were the founders of the Florida Classic, and it was it was first discussed. Very first discussion of it um, was in the barbershop in West Tampa. Um, named Foster's Barbershop on Main Street in West Tampa. That was the very first discussion that I remember it because I was a kid and I was there when they would discuss it. Huh. And so, and, and we at the time we lived in Tallahassee because he was the president at FAMU at the time. But Bob Gilder and my father um, were were two of the people responsible. And my father actually was the one who actually came up with the with the concept of doing this Florida Classic. Um, which, by the way, the Florida Classic was held yesterday. And for all you rattlers out there like myself, <laughs> you know, we whooped, we whooped them folks over at BCU, and I will call you BCU. Okay, I'm going to leave y'all alone. I'm not going to mess with you and, and, <laughs> and, and refer to you as Bethune Community College. I'm not going to mess with y'all. I'm going to call y'all Bethune-Cookman University. Okay. Okay, <laughs> okay. all right. Get it all right. right. I get it right. <laughs> I'm going to put some respect on your name. I'm going to put some respect on your name. Uh, but my Rattlers are, are number seven in the nation right now in, the two in Division 2A football. Uh, and they're on the way to the playoffs. On the way to the playoffs to the, to the national championship. So hopefully we'll get a second national championship. There's a lot of black history behind that national championship, too. 
Yes. A lot of black history. And one day I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll do a, a discussion about that. But that is a very interesting story. But there's always a history behind everything we do. Just the idea of the classic Absolutely. moving from Tampa to Orlando is a whole history yes. in and of itself. Yes, yes. And, and, and my father was right back down the middle of that one. <laughs> in the middle of, of all of it, of every single bit of it. A family being in Division 2A football. Yeah. Um, that was my first trip to D.C. as a child. I'll, I'll tell that story later. I'll tell it later. I'll tell it later. <laughs> Listen, I want to. I want to. First of all, I want to say happy birthday because radio shows only once a week. Okay. All right. So I want to say happy birthday to the love of my life, Yolanda Rodriguez Smith. I love yes. you, darling. Mi vida. I love you. Te amo. Yes. Um, and I want to. This is also Puerto Rican statehood day, isn't it? This is the day Columbus discovered it, quote unquote. <laughs> 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 the, the day we kicked the flag kicked that <laughs> Spanish flag down now um, I want to also also point out that November 17th 1911 was the founders day mm. of the greatest fraternity the world has ever known 112 <laughs> years of Omega Sci-Fi fraternity incorporated yeah, I saw some Founders Day yes. TikToks yesterday. Yes. yes. Wonder what yes. that was about. Yes. Uh, Katie, is, there, is there a way to become an honorary member of the Q-Dogs? Hey, man, you know, <laughs> we, we, we can discuss it. You know what I'm saying? All we right. discuss it. <laughs> I might need y'all support. Come on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we can discuss it. I'll discuss it with the bros. We'll see what we right. say. Uh, a lot of testosterone going on in the studio. A lot right of testosterone <laughs> going on right now. A lot of it going on. Uh, listen, I want to I wanna give a shout-out to the bros right now. Um, thank you very much for being my brother's. Uh, as I always say, uh, I may not, uh, I may have my, may not have been able to choose my brothers, my biological brothers, but these are the brothers that I chose. And I love you all very much to the root to the, all the brothers out there, root to all the brothers. Um, listen, check out the Walter Elspeth the second page. You can check out more information on things that I posted over the weekend, throughout the week, things like that. But, um, okay, so here we go. Uh... We can put we can put uh, uh my man George Clinton up there on the on the on the on the tab too, bro. Yeah, we can put that on. We'll put that on. <laughs> on the break time, we'll put that on. Um so listen, we got a great show for you today. Great show for you today. Uh call in 813 Um uh, we, and, and oh, by the way, I wanna give a shout out also to the Neos, the new bros that just came in from Upsilon Delta that are just coming in to uh, the fold right now uh, here in the Tampa Bay area, USF. Uh, shout out to the Neos. Uh, glad to have you as my new brothers. Um, we, we've got to make certain that we are preparing for the conclave. You'll make a sci-fi conclave that's coming up next year, 2024. Watch out. going to be a lot of purple and gold around here this morning. Right? A lot of it. The, the ground's going to shake. Ground's going to shake. Ground's going to shake. <laughs> ground's going to quake. All that purple and gold. The streets will be lined with. All that purple and gold. You're going to CNN, NBC, ABC, CBS. Everybody's going to be here to come and, and talk to the brothers, see the brothers, and put us on, on the tube. And, and, man, listen, it's going to be a great day. Great day in Tampa Bay. 
the day that the Omegas converge upon the Tampa Bay area. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. So uh, we're going to talk today about the issue surrounding uh, the issue surrounding self-sufficiency and self-determination. Two things that were very key to the Marcus Garvey agenda. I call it the Marcus Garvey agenda because he was very famous for uh, always putting those two words, using those two words out there, right? When he referred to the black community. Now, the concept is one that is not foreign to other ethnic groups uh, or other racial groups. Not foreign. They are very successful with it, in fact. You look at Asian groups, Asians do well. Um, in, in their communities, they have their own their own stores, mm-hmm. grocery stores. Yes, they do. Um, they have their own uh, apothecaries and everything else is there. Um, they have Chinatown, right, in several cities. So they do well. Um, then you have Little Italy, the Italians. The Italians do very well. Even right here in Tampa, we have our L'Union Italiana which is the Italian Union uh, or the Italian Club, which is right here in Tampa. And we do have a very high Italian population here since the turn of the century. And matter of fact, they played a big role, a big role in the creation of the mutual aid societies right here in the Tampa Bay area. Uh, You have... The and, and so you have a lot of Italian restaurants. You have it, you know, as I said before, um, a lot of the um, uh, people who are part of the organization, people who make contributions, great contributions to the Tampa area um, and to these communities. These their communities within Ebor City that were specifically Sicilian and so forth. However, uh, we we must not forget the fact that there was a time in their history where they were not where they were not treated well. As a matter of fact, um, they were there were quite a few that were lynched as well, and they were seen basically as black people. Mm. Right? Um, there were signs that were even posted saying no Italians and they didn't necessarily say Italians, um, but no Italians, black folks, dogs and so forth. So you know, that's how, that's what they were equated to until such time that they gained the status, a particular uh, status of being white at that particular point, and they were able to get past that. And that, and that took a real political move on their part, a real political move on their part. Well, it, to, took to economic, it took economic inclusion because Absolutely. If, when they gave a lot, of, especially here in Tampa, when a lot of these... Workers and owners of the cigar factories gave power to New York firms. Then, yeah, they were considered white. They were considered unless they they did something to hurt the exploitative black population, black working class populations here in Tampa. And then they could be disappeared (laughs) until the black working class population rose up. Then, of course, they were treated. But we we've seen this history where black people had economic enterprises going on in even the small cities that they started, that we started, that were, because of white supremacy and that jealousy, Mm -hmm. destroyed. We've seen that city after city after city. That's right. That's right. As a matter of fact, there's a movie that that stars uh, Ben Affleck 
and uh, Zoe Saldana. And this movie it was filmed partly here in Tampa and partly in South Carolina. And it's about the early days of Tampa uh, and a gangster that moved down from Flor from uh, Boston to Florida during the days of Prohibition, and the early days of Prohibition. And it is called, um, gosh, to, can you look it up? It says Zoe and, and Ben Affleck. Zoe Saldana yeah. and Ben Affleck. Uh, I want to say it's, it's called Two Two With By Night, uh, something like that. But the bottom line is that was a very, very good movie. Uh, it was historically accurate. It dealt with Pasco County and the, the existence of the Klan. Is it Escape Room? I'm not sure. No, not Escape no. Room. Not no, escape no, 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 no. <laughs> okay. Something If By Night. I can't remember what it is. Something yeah, Live By Night. 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 That's right. And it is a very, very good movie. I recommend you take a look at it, folks. It is a very good movie. As I said before, it is, it is historically accurate um, in terms of even with the fictitious characters. Uh, there are some characters who, um, who are in there who were who actually did exist, right? Um, so the some of the incidents that happened were uh, were not fictitious; they actually did happen. Uh, the like, for instance, when they talk about the uh, prohibition, they talk about the tunnels, they talk about all types of things that that existed here in Tampa and Ebor City, and how the Klan played a big role. In trying to stifle uh, and stymie the the uh, and take part and actually take part in the prohibition um, uh, profits that were made revenues that were made back then, uh, you know that those things happened. They did happen, and there were wars that were fought right here in the Tampa Bay area around that type of thing. So uh, much like you would see in Boardwalk Empire, like the last the last uh, season of Boardwalk Empire was basically about Tampa, fundamentally about Tampa. So you want to check those two things out, Boardwalk Empire, and what was the other one? Live, Live by, by Night. Night. Live by Night, uh, starring Ben Affleck. Very good, and, and Zoe Saldana. Very good movie. And it got it got some great reviews as well. Yeah. 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 Right. It, it was around Tampa, and it's Ebo City. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's right. That's yeah, right. A lot of drama happened here. Oh, yeah. And, and, and they had to shoot part of it, part of it in South Carolina in the low country, because it dealt with the early days of development. And so the closest thing uh, uh, infrastructurally to that would be to would, would have been to go to the area in uh, the low country in South Carolina in order to be able to get that, that early year, that 1920s feel for what was happening at that time. So very good movie. Okay, so um, I lost my train of thought. We don't Malcolm. Um, oh. I'm still thinking about Marcus Garvey. So self sufficiency, <laughs> self sufficiency. So uh, it, it, you know, these movies actually depicted that that whole thing. You know, uh, what happened with Afro Cubans? What happened with Cubans? Uh, you know, there were societies and communities that were established. Uh, my grandfather was one of the pioneers of East Ebor, and 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 one of the ones who actually helped to give actually gave credit to the people who came down from Georgia, the sharecroppers, uh, who came down from Georgia to have a new life here in Tampa. He came down here when he was like 14 years old with his cousins. And then he went back and told them, hey, I'm leaving for good. And he came back to Tampa. And and they built a life here in East Ebor. And having done that, 
Uh, a lot of, you look at the history of the people who lived there, many of the people who were there were from South Georgia. If you look at them now, the descendants of the people who lived there in that area were actually from South Georgia, and they remember those days. Uh, you know, when you look at at the, sh the shops, for instance, right? My grandfather was a business owner. Back in those days, everything was segregated, right? And I think one of the things that people people uh, uh, tend to forget is the growth and development that took place during the time of segregation, right? Um, not to glorify segregation per se, but certainly to point out the fact that during that time, because of because of segregation, we were forced to do what we needed to do to have equal facilities, equal uh, equal rights, or equal uh, access to the to, to various things. So my grandfather was a big proponent of that, uh, along with people like James Hargrit Sr. Um, and uh, James Green. Um, both of those members, um, uh, gentlemen were also members of Omega Sci-Fi Fraternity Incorporated. Um, <laughs> But uh, that's just a disclaimer. Uh, but but no, really, there were there were a lot of things that you had Atlantic uh, Atlantic uh, Insurance Company, which now uh, is which now is the is the um, gosh is the Elks Lodge is the Black mm -hmm. Elks Lodge now on 29th Street, 29th and Columbus. So. Uh, that used to be an insurance company at one time, a black-owned insurance company. You had black-owned grocery stores, black pharmacists. You had all these things that were there in our communities, but as generations went on and desegregation took place um, and integration replaced it, uh, it was the ability, it, it, it seems that the ability of us to maintain those institutions just went out the window. Well, I think what happens is, because the same thing happened, like I said, in city after city, we've seen the young did not want to carry on. That's right. They That's would right. sell out and move out after integration. So, That's right. No, they didn't maintain. Right. I want to be able to move out with, with into these new communities that we now have the right to move into. Uh, right. I, I mean, it was, it was hyper competition, too, to stay in that one area so yeah. it was a partly it was kind of hard to to make it if you weren't already entrenched yes. in the black community the movement of the right. people went through for you to be where you are now yeah. um speaking of um, marcus garvey his son who was actually 90 years old now dr julius garvey mm. he went back and started talking about the legacy you know, of his father within the 21st century and he brought us some statements that malcolm x stated about his father as well as malcolm um Martin Luther King, and he stated, every time you see another nation on the African continent become independent, you see that Marcus Garvey is alive. Mm. <laughs> okay? That mm. was a statement from Malcolm X. He also stated that Marcus Garvey was the first man on a mass scale and level to give millions of Negroes a sense of dignity and destiny and make the Negro feel that he or she was somebody. And wow. that was stated by Martin Luther King. Wow. You know, wow. giving that um, a tribute to um, Marcus Garvey. Yeah, it, you know, you look at those movements, I, I remember writing... Um, papers about uh, historical um, comparative um, co comparative uh, surveys of Garvey in different situations, right? And one of the things that we were that I pointed out was the fact that uh, it was it was very very uh, coincidental that his that that Malcolm X's father was a Garveyite, right? Uh, and 
not only was he in Garveyite, uh, well, he, he was a Garveyite, right? And and, yeah. and when you look at um, the comparison between the UNIA movement and the Nation of Islam, right? You look at the similarities of the followings. Look at the, look at the similarities of the followings. Look at what happened, right? How they developed. Look at the the followings were huge. It, it, you know, during that during Garvey's time, they owned land. Mm-hmm. They had ships. Yeah. They had all types of things going down. And and he actually met with members of this known fact. He met with members of the Ku Klux Klan in order to get an understanding of where you know where black folks you know the direction black folks were going. And he was like, listen, we don't want anything from you except to leave us alone. Just leave us alone, right? And it's the same concept, basically, that you see when you look at um, Elijah Muhammad and when the Nation of Islam began in 1932. And remember now, there were a lot of other organizations that began to, to be very similar to that, the Moorish temples and things of that nature. And they were very much under the, um, and, and, and of course, as these things grew, guess what else grew, what else, what else uh, began to develop? The FBI. Hmm. Right? The surveillance under J. Yeah. Edgar Hoover. A, a very young J. Edgar Hoover. Yeah, always wondering what, what black people were up to. But, you yeah. know, part of the, what made a lot of people successful, you think of people like C.J., Madam C.J. Mm-hmm. Walker, uh, it was socialist organization. She gathered black people's nickels and dimes and quarters and built right. an empire. That's right. That's how it was done. And, mm-hmm. you know, we saw people trying to do that across the board. You saw white people trying to do that. Trying that was to a mimic with black exactly. People. They right. knew it. They profit taking, right. uh, right. profit sharing was the way to go. Right. And so, so what was so wrong with us doing it? Right. What was so, and that's the one thing my grandmother used to always say. She, she was always blown. She knew why. She watched it. She saw it happen. My grandmother was, you know, she was born in the 1920s, right? Um, so my, my, my mother's mother was born in the 1920s. She saw a lot. She was from Alabama. And she saw all this stuff happen. You know, she saw it happen in Tampa. Um, my great-grandmother, who was her, my, my grandmother's mother, was um, from Madison County. And, and came down here in the early, at the turn of the century. And um, they had to leave because my grandfather had the uh, uh, statute of limitations over with. Now, he killed a white man. <laughs> oh. Killed a white man here in Tampa. I think we all have a story yeah, like that. Yeah, I think that. we all have a story <laughs> like that, I think, uh, about my about my grandmother. So he, they had to split and, and head to Alabama. But that's beside the point. The, the <laughs> point the point is, but t- let that be a cursory note for y'all. You better leave my, my wife alone. Um, let, let me tell you, uh, it, it, it's very interesting to note that my that you know the Masons. We, we, look, we look at organizations uh, like like Omega Sapphire, mm. like the, the Divine Nine, um, like the the Masons or the Eastern Odd Fellows, the Eastern so Stars, exactly. Mm-hmm. Eastern Stars. The, the I'm, I'm sorry. Nah, I'm, I'm just saying me. all this testosterone um, going on. Right here. <laughs> yeah, a lot, a lot of testosterone <laughs> going on right here. Um, but don't forget, don't forget <laughs> this week the the Pope said you're not supposed to be Masons, y'all. 
You know, a lot of disinformation about masonry came from the Catholic Church. Exactly. exactly. Just another aside. Exactly. Carry on. But whenever, thank you very much, sir. (laughs) Thank you very much. But when we look at the development of uh, of these organizations, as we come out of slavery, the first generation out of slavery, and second generations out of slavery, these things, these organizations, become very critical to our economic development and growth. Right. Uh, right. So, so what what do we see? We see mutual aid organizations. We see nursing homes where they're taking care of Harriet Tubman opened one up, right, up in Ohio, where she where she's buried now, but where she actually she actually took her earnings when she finally was given her earnings as a veteran of the United States Army uh, to actually build a home for elderly for, former slaves, right. Um, and, and so when we look at these things as they take place, um, there is, there's, there's a success that, that exists, but there is also a, a, a looming, a looming effort somewhere to destroy what we build, what we put together. Mm-hmm. And, and, and nobody else. They don't destroy nobody. They don't destroy the Japanese or the Chinese. They don't mess with the Asians. They don't mess with the Italians. They, mess, they only mess with us. And what and what bothers me about that? What bothers me about that is that we allowed Thank so you. much of this to happen. We had agency in stopping this from happening. Nobody stopped us from having grocery stores except for us, right? Nobody stopped us from from. I mean, people stole land from us. People did all types of things to us. But we're resilient people. But when you go back to that question you stated, it was why. I'm so glad you brought it back to the head. Why? Remember, we weren't considered human. Okay? Right. How dare us? How dare us? You understand? And then keep in mind, what did they say when black empowerment started coming up? It was always stated, they want to keep us deaf, dumb, and blind. Right. Okay? That was the purpose of us not not wanting to allow us to read. You know, you had to hide to learn how to read, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's where the why comes in at. Mm-hmm. Because they knew once you understood knowledge and how powerful it can be, what will you do? You will no longer need them. Right. You will super succeed them. And that's what we did. You no, know. You know. What's today's mathematics, sir? I, mean, no, I will not do that today. I will What's not today's mathematics, sir? No, listen, let me tell you, I, re- I mess with her all the time because she's from, she's from New York, and I was every single day I asked her the question, I said, yo, yo, son, what's today's mathematics, son? Don't want the Moorish so science. But, no, really. but but we, we look at we look at hip hop, right? Now, and, and as as we as we move forward mm-hmm. uh to more modern times. We look at hip hop, and, and keep in mind. Let's put this in perspective. These things that we were talking about in the nineteen. Do you realize that wasn't that long ago? It was not. It was not it that was, long ago that not. these things existed. The noble Drew Ali, the beginning of the of the Moorish temples, the beginning of the of the of the um, Moorish science, the beginning of. Uh, the Nation of Islam. Yes. Uh, right. The the um, the mosques on 125th Street in in New York. Hmm. Um, keep in mind, I want to go um, go back a little bit to Marcus Garvey, what he's doing right now, um, speaking on his legacy. So speaking back to like the New York, the 70s, 80s, and 90s, and Best Style, mm-hmm. he was very prevalent at that time. Yes. You know, his, his presence was there, but at the same time, they had um, a statement here that it was Best Style was primarily characterized as a gritty, 
gritty place, and despite its community-based <laughs> achievements, it, and it was. It was. You know, it was called Best Start, Do or Die. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it is. That's That's what it, is. Mean, that it is what it is. But, but they named the street, of course, after Marcus Garvey. Um, yeah. It's Marcus Garvey in Putnam. And right now they have a shelter there that houses 200 homeless men. You see you know? the value of having some, somebody from New York. In, in, yeah. In, in, in the and wasn't New York the first yeah. place to name a Malcolm X Drive? Yes. Yes. Yeah. yes. Absolutely. You yes. know, so, but yes. it, it, again, it's all about how we came up, you right. know, right. how we came up. They did try to stop us, of course. Again, mimicking, trying to steal from Madam J.C. Walker, you know, the white lady yeah. trying yeah, to, yeah. you know, reproduce, the, yeah. reproduce the, um, the grease that she the first grease. started and everything. Mm -hmm. So it, it, it's sad, but that is our history. It is. And yeah. it's happening again now today when... Um, DeSantis and all of them are trying to say, take these books, you know, out of our schools. <laughs> you mean disaster? You cannot. <laughs> Ron, disaster. Right, right, right. <laughs> I like that one. I like that one. You know what? It, look, guys, listen, let me tell you something. Oh, my God. You get passionate about it. What you just, yeah. Yes. Because I look at what my father did, for instance, right? Mm -hmm. When he established the library, uh, he established it because there was a need for something beyond what the establishment Exactly. Put out there, right? Well, exactly. These kids need to go somewhere where the doors weren't going to close on mm -hmm. them at, at a certain time. The, their parents could pick them up at you know at six or seven o'clock if they needed to, so they could do their homework and they and they had help from professionals, educational professionals who would be there for them to give them secondary guidance counseling mm -hmm. with their parents. Yeah. He always insisted. Dad always insisted that there was a parent there. Or a guardian. Mm -hmm. They could not come to the library unless a guardian or parent accompanied them the, at least the first time. Oh, at really? least the first time. They had to do it because he wanted to meet the parents. He wanted to know the parents and know the guardians, know where they live, and have a conversation with them and, and have them involved with these children. The, 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 the problem that we faced um, quite often with, with the library was... Is 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 the the um, gosh the support the support our own internal support right? Yeah, it got harder it, over the years it does. for everything. But you know, one of the things that I think we should celebrate is we we sit here today and celebrate the 50th anniversary of hip hop. Well, I think hip hop is the latest iteration of what Marcus Garvey set Absolutely. off because they had. We had to we had to create our own record labels because the big three would ignore us. We didn't even have an, a category in the Grammy Awards for so long. And today we have a Jay-Z who has a whole library that's celebratory of his particular success because it represents the success of hip-hop. What hip-hoppers had to do because we were not supposed to be here 50 years later Absolutely. celebrating this. Absolutely. They know there's uh, a bunch of black people grass getting together roots, making right. noise. You know? Exactly. So Telling right. stories, they were telling the stories of the lives that they were exactly. living, you know, you and know, the struggles that we were facing. And it's interesting that, that you say that. It it what it is a story. It was a story of telling story. Uh, the the it was an opportunity for us to tell a story, tell the news of what's mm -hmm. happening in the communities. Right. Uh, initially, it was ha it was the stories of what's happening in the cities, but that, then it became something more. It began they began to tell the story of the country. So the, yes. so, mm -hmm. the South got involved. So we have something to say, too, as Andre right. 3000 That's said. Right. We have something to say. In um, the West Coast, they had something to say. With the Midwest, we have something to say. However, when the record companies began to get involved in it, here we go, here we go. They they capitalize they, they capitalize on yeah <laughs> that's right and, they, and they're telling them we want y'all we want y'all niggas to tell the story about 
uh, about shooting. We want to tell you a story about whole Right. Mm -hmm. Dilute. Dilute yeah. the stories. We want to know about the trap, the, the, the talk the about your self hatred yeah. and the woman <laughs> trafficking mm -hmm. and all that stuff. And then then now it's become this thing about Satan. And I'm oh like, whoa, goodness. what is this? We going Yo, on a whole nother topic. What are <laughs> we like? What you. what is going on, man? <laughs> yes. Where is this satanic stuff coming from? That's I'm probably, like, Yo. That's probably rock and rap coming whoa. together. Whoa. Both but, were I mean, what demonized. What you saying is factual because if you look at the transition of it, it started off, again, telling the story of what we were going through. Right. Telling the story of how they were living to survive. And then it went to downgrade what you're really going through and build up the, the, the nasty part of which is just our women are prostitutes and how, you know, pop, yeah. popularized and being... How they saw us. Objectify you know? women exactly. to the point, yeah. It's, it's so sad. Then it went from not only that, like you said, now it went to the the, the Satanism and the, the, the dark eyes and all this kind yeah. of stuff. It is continuously elevating Blood back to negativity. Yeah. It, it's flipping the whole thing all over again. But we are allowing it to be done because that is what society is feeding off well, of. Well, there is a segment of our community... Of of the hip-hop community that is fighting back. That's good. And we That's are going to talk about that in another segment, another time. And we're going we're gonna to talk about hip-hop, and we're going to talk about funk. Those two things are very oh, yeah. important. Mm -hmm. to, but one to led to the community. other, didn't it? That's it did. right. It did. That's right. That's <laughs> right. And we are going to talk about it here on the Sunday Forum. Um, let's see. Um, gosh, we had a great, a great first hour, mm -hmm. right? Yes, we did. Great first hour. Second hour, we're going to talk some more about about what's happening in our communities with regard to health. Yes. Um, it, this is very important, folks. You want to tune in. Self-sufficiency, help, taking agency over your communities, over our children, over our lives. This is what we got to do, right? We got to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves and of each other. We cannot let other people come into our communities and tear our communities apart. And, and we can't do it ourselves either. We cannot do it ourselves. I do. I want to leave one note before we um, head off. When we get back to this next topic, like you say, we can't do it ourselves. We got to make sure we inc be inclusive of everyone. And when you think of that, you have to think of the family unit. Mm. Okay? You cannot... You cannot just feed one part and not feed the other. That's right. You know, and I and I learned that as as my growth, as I was coming into growth of what I'm doing right now, and I learned that I couldn't just mentor the child and not look at the unit that they're going back to at home. Mm. You know, because if not, I, I, I taught Head Start. When you teach a child something at school and you send them back home, if that environment is not, you know, forced in the same thing, mm -hmm. when they come back in, you're starting all over again okay. each day. So I had to learn.